go. Good evening, Internet. Good evening, fellow patrons of the interwebs. Ah, the interwebs. We love the interwebs. We love surfing in a good way. Surfing and just hanging out. Hey, it's Scuba and the Rye, your your weekly dose of entertainment, movies, trivia, games, life. Dialogue of the interludes. Yeah, conversational. Just... Pull up a chair, hang out at the table with us. The me, the uh, minstrels playing for mead. Uh, do, 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 do. It's yes, a, it's warm this week, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, today was wild. 70, 70 degrees, or for our international peeps. Yeah, it is. It is. It is not the typical weather you would expect in December, at least in this vicinity. But I'm not going to argue for the for our international peeps. It's seven degrees Celsius today. Yes, should be less here, but you know, I'm not going to argue. I appreciate it. Well, uh, we're doing another training class at work, right? And uh, one of the guys who's te- who's, do- who's one of the instructors, as part of because you when you get done with a with a with a monologue or a section, you like to do questions, comments, concerns. Well, he throws in you know questions, comments, concerns, uh, farmers' almanac predictions, and whatnot. And yeah, after two weeks of listening to him do this, I was like, all right, buddy, I got you, juice. I went to Farmer's Almanac. I pulled up the winter forecast for 2022-2023 and sent it to him. And ironically, that forecast is saying that it'll be a tale of two winters, as they call it. Um, <coughs> half of the country winter. is going to have a very mild winter. The other half is going to have like winter winter. Yeah. Um, and ironically, the dividing line per the Farmer's Almanac is the Rocky Mountains here in the States, which is funny because the, the Farmer's Almanac was, was like originally created in like the, in like what, 1790? Yeah, very, very back in the day. And oddly enough, you know, some of their predictions seem fairly, you know, on the nose, if not a little spooky. I don't know. What do you think? Are you a big Farmer's Almanac fan? No, I don't really follow it. I hear from it from my dad because he, he talks about it here and there. But no, I don't really follow it. But it seems to be on point a lot of the times, though. Eerily. Yeah. Weird. Weird, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Okay. Um, what do we got today? I don't know. That's just going back and forth pre-podcast just kind of message traffic flying oh, yeah. around we it's got, just like it's, um you know discussions a uh, review of a, a a very interesting christmas film mm-hmm. um some um um stuff about spotify the word of the year mm-hmm. for 2022 and a couple other interesting articles Alrighty, it is December 7th. So on top of all that we, we want to take a moment to acknowledge the day. Yes, which, we do. For America, it is the uh, probably one of the most infamous days in our history as a pres- as a former president. Uh, Eisen? No, not Eisen. It was uh, FDR. FDR Roosevelt uh, said, and that was the fact that on this day, eighty-one years ago, or eighty-three years ago, uh, the ja- the bombing of. Pearl Harbor, 81 years. This is the 81st commemoration of Pearl Harbor Day, which is to honor those sailors and who sailors um, and military folk who were stationed at Pearl Harbor at the time of this attack 
uh, and the sinking of so many battleships. Yes. And such a great loss of life. So we're taking a moment to honor that. This means a little, for me, this is a little, it, it's kind of it's kind of significant to me. Not that I know anybody directly that was there, but because of my time in the service, because I was in the Marine Corps. Yes, you were. Most of World War II for the Marines was fought in the Pacific Theater. So Pearl Harbor kicked that off, which we all know, which we know if we know our history. Pearl Harbor is what kicked off America's full-on involvement in World War II. Yeah. Prior to that, we were we were kind of dipping our toe in it, but we weren't really committed. Yeah. After this, it's on like Donkey Kong. Yep. Yep. And it's a it's a date to remember, as a uh, FDR said, it's a date which will live in infamy. A famous line from his speech. But yeah, day. but if you go to PearlHarborEvents.com, they have a whole they have a they have a lot of info on the celebration there for this their 81st commemoration of the uh, of the monuments and memorials. Um, even the battleship Arizona, which is yep. still at the still sitting there, and all of that. And yes, and I, we can't talk about it without acknowledging that there are some conspiracy theories surrounding Pearl Ooh. Harbor. Um, have you heard any of these, Ryan? I've never heard of the conspiracy theories, so I'm going to let you let loose on the mysteries. So some of the conspiracy theories are, A, that the U.S. knew about the attack and chose not to do anything. I think, I think I've heard that one. But an interesting thing, and this could just be sheer coincidence which is the case in life a lot of the times which well it's the fact that all three of the aircraft carriers stationed in the pacific theater were out to sea during a train doing a training exercise the morning of the attack hmm so that's what leads to some conspiracy theory that you know they knew and this is what they did to not tip their hand to the japanese that they knew yeah, but whether it is or not, it is the fact that that was probably the biggest blunder of the attack is the fact you didn't get you didn't get the carriers. And we know that from history shortly thereafter was the Battle of Midway and everything turned around after that. Yes, sir. So, yeah, there's as a movie guy. What I mean, what do you think of some of the world, some of the World War Two movies that have come out over the years that have to deal with the Pacific Theater? Well, specifically the Pacific Theater, um, there is a, uh, one of my favorite war movies, which is done by Clint Eastwood. He did like a two pair, which focused on uh, on uh, I think the Battle of Midway. I can't remember, but there was the Flags of Our Fathers. But my favorite pair is the one that he did where it was from the Japanese perspective, which is Letters from Iwo Jima. Mm-hmm. And that movie is very poignant and sincere uh, because it just gives you a different pur- uh, purview of the war, but it still is grittiness and it showcases how, you know, fighting the war in the Pacific and on the islands, because, you know, you go on island hopping was very much, you had to be very strategic and also not only fight off the enemy, fighting off the, 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 the weather and the, the tropics as well because a lot of the battles were done right around the tropics with those islands oh yeah the so. the, the equator and all that yeah. but so those yeah. are the two big movies if it's focusing on that theater side of the war yeah that stand out for me for me uh i think there are three that come to mind there's pearl harbor yep the movie with ben affleck in it 
uh, which is a lot of fun. Cuba Gooding Jr., all of that. Really great. Uh, Alec Baldwin. And really enjoyed that. Um, there's Wind Talkers. Yeah, I never saw Wind Talkers. Which is a Nicolas Cage film, which talks about how the during uh, World War II, we were U.S. was utilizing uh, Navajo yep. uh, Indians or Native Americans to uh, be code code talkers over the radio, and because they would speak their native language, which was really hard for the Japanese to. Uh, crack and intercept. Yeah. So uh, there was talking about that and how important they are. Again, it was Nicolas Cage. He played a, a Marine who got, uh, had his hearing damaged uh, in because of the conflict. So he was partially deaf in one ear and he, he was trying to get back out into the field and ended up, you know, being, being a guard or paired up with one of these wind talkers. Uh, which was a really, which was I thought was a really interesting film. Um, and another one that comes to mind is, of course, recently the Midway, which came out uh, a couple of years back, which focused on that particular battle. Yeah, I know I like a lot of watching history stuff, and uh, anything having to do with the Pacific Theater is always something I kind of gravitate to. Yeah, one because I love aircraft carriers; I think they're a great piece of technology, and two, just the the overall scope and scale of that versus the European theater, which was predominantly on the ground yeah. and whatnot. Once you got into once you once once you got through D Day, it was all pretty much ground warfare, which has interesting moments. Don't get me wrong, but the Pacific theater and the and, and the island hopping and and that and how how much that is, but. The and then you have the different history. I think he, there's even a HBO series called The Pacific. Yep, you're which correct. Which is very much a if you've watched Band of Brothers by Steven Spielberg, which focuses on the European theater and the army. Yeah, Pacific focuses on the Marines and the Pacific theater, but it's a similar kind of kind of show format. Yeah, it's a it's a very more it's a very that that I was going to bring that up too because The Pacific was a very good miniseries. Um, that you know focuses on uh, that that side of the battle. So I would recommend that to anybody who hasn't watched it yet. Yeah, I think you can find it on Amazon Prime right now or uh, HBO Max. Yep. Assuming they don't change the name to Max, because I'm sure you heard about that one. Yep, I heard about that. That's the rumor going around. WB's thinking about changing HBO Max to just Max. Yep. Uh, the reason is is because they didn't want to overshadow either of their brands because you know they're merging Discovery Plus and HBO Max into one. So. Yeah, but what about Cinemax? Yeah, well, Cinemax isn't a Warner Brothers thing. It's uh, is it? No, yeah, you're right. Well, Cinemax doesn't have any original content. Everything merged over to HBO. <laughs> um, it threw me off for a second there, but no. Speaking of Cinemax, watch Warrior. If you've never watched Warrior before, check it out, people. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, now we got a little history bit out of the way. Salute and if you like us to talk people. about more history things, comment below in the uh, in in the in the in the notes, yeah. the comments. If you're watching us on YouTube or if you're listening to us on audio. Um, and before we get too much further, we also want to go ahead and take a moment and give a shout out to Sirenscape. Shout out. Sirenscape.com, a resource for background music and soundboards you can use to make your gaming experience more immersive and enjoyable. Go check them out, Sirenscape.com. They have an amazing online player 
that you can use uh, for across multiple devices. Or if you're still doing games virtually, you can have your players sign, give your players a link where they can listen in as you uh, provide the various sounds to for your game. Uh, but go check them out, sirenscape.com for more information. Yes, sir. Check them out. Alrighty, um, you, I don't have a whole lot in my what I've been up to. I'll be honest. I mean, it's been kind of, kind of bland. Mostly work, uh, work-related stuff. Uh, getting ready for some trainings and and getting ready for the se- the end of year and season. Yep. I think I was upsetting a few people because I'm already planning uh, stuff for like May, June, and here we are in December, which I think is a good sign that I've gone I've, I've matured the department to a point i don't have to worry about six weeks from now or three weeks from now no i can worry about six months from now. that's how it should be you need to be planning ahead it's no different you know in most jobs you know you want to you have your game plan today but you need to be ready for tomorrow so yeah and it it, it means you've got a good I, for me i feel it means i have a good crew we have a good understanding and the projects are uh moving forward so we're just taking it as we go but that's predominantly what i've been up to i don't think i've yeah i haven't really gone anywhere or done anything nope not uh, not since the last time you've just been here yeah just doing here. stuff you on the other hand looks like you've been globe trotting a little bit not globe trotting well well not really but more like trotting around the same city but um, which holiday parade did you watch uh well the holiday parade i watched over the weekends the one in virginia beach uh, which had the holiday parade down at the oceanfront. So, you know, they went from, uh, they did the parade, it goes from 17th to 19th Street. And, you know, you have all the floats and the different dancers and the different things and sponsors. And it's, you know, it's, it was fun and exciting. Um, got some pictures, didn't turn out because my Nikon doesn't really work at night. And mostly I'm not good at night shots, but that's okay. It was fun watching while it was. Other than that, majority of the weekend was taken up of writing, working on my final paper. Uh, which is the rough draft. I just need to edit it and submit it, and then I'm done for the semester. Nice. Done, done, finito. And oh, that... I know why. I, I just remembered why I didn't do a whole lot this weekend. What did you do? Uh, it's because we celebrated my daughter, my daughter's birthday. She uh, turned, she's turned 14. Yeah. So she wanted to have a holiday party or, or birthday party. Uh, it turned out to be basically an ice cream social. Um, that and we were cleaning up and getting Christmas de- decorations squared away. Oh, yeah. So that was a that was a good chunk of it. But uh, and then, you know, went out and had, of course, had dinner with some friends on Sunday. And that was a tale and a half, but not one I can tell here. <laughs> it's all right. You've got to stay kosher when you need to be. Yeah. Sometimes you just get around a group of people and you never know what happens. Shenanigans. You never know too. what you're going to do. But uh, yeah, that was I mean, you know pretty pretty quiet it's december things are gonna get crazy uh, i think this weekend uh this weekend i am doing the balahack airsoft event revelation 12 13 12 revelation one of those things 12 it's a big uh rp uh event at the airsoft field it should be a lot of fun um did gonna be out there kind of greeting and doing parking and hanging out i might even i might even Go crash the airwaves for the uh, wasteland radio. You should. I I've been talking to I've been talking to the to the to the guy who does it and be like, hey, you know, can we like hook up? Maybe I'll even you know do some camera work out on the there field. There you go. So we'll see how that Boom. goes. I'll tell you more about that next week. Yeah. But um, do you got anything else? 
Um, nothing else is going on other than just, um, just, um, heading into the end of the year, which means that, you know, going to be blazing through a lot of films, um, you know, warranting, um, uh, warranting any surprise. I have a good idea of what my top 10, uh, a list is going to be, but we can leave that for another day. Yeah. We'll do our end of yeah. year in yeah. a couple of weeks. There's only a handful left of films that are actually dropping before the end of the year. So we'll see if they actually fall in that right. 10. Well, speaking of films, let's go and talk about the movie you watched last week. Yeah. So some, uh, some, uh, gratuitous action by a Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Yes, sir. All right. This week we were talking about violent night. This Holy is the latest film with night. Dave Harbour. Uh, if you're not familiar with who that is, he is for most most notably known for his work on Stranger Things. Yep. He plays the sheriff. Yes, sir. Um, and he's also uh, done a couple of feature films. Uh, probably the more successful of the two previous was Black Widow. Yep. He was Red Guardian. And he did make an attempt at playing Hellboy. Yep, and it's an attempt that went nowhere. Yeah, that didn't go so well, but he, <laughs> he said he learned from that. There was an interview where he said, it's like, you know what? I've learned don't mess with established franchises. Yep. Don't. Sometimes you, you just you, don't do it. You never know when the fans get back to you on that. But uh, this is his latest one. He plays a he plays Santa Claus, and he has to save Christmas for a family in distress. In a way, yes. All right, right. Go ahead. So, uh, just to add on to your little intro, uh, this movie is called Violent Night. It's playing in theaters. It's a small little holiday film. Put that in quotes. <laughs> that focuses on Santa Claus, and he's doing his annual traditions and you know delivering gifts. But you know, what's going on with him is that um, he's starting to get a little bit cynical. Uh, from the holidays and just because of humanity itself and not really caring as much and only wanting certain things for gifts. So he's kind of uh, become cynical and he feels like this might be the last last uh, Christmas that he's going to deliver his gifts. So en route through it, he comes across a, uh, uh, a wealthy family estate, the Lightstone estate, and he gets um, through some plot, or, uh, plot armor and different devices. He gets caught up in a group of a gang of mercenaries led by a man that he calls himself scrooge that's just uh, emphasis on the holidays but also all the other uh mercenaries have code names that tie into uh tie into the christmas uh holidays i'm not going to say it if you go see it, it's kind of funny but scrooge is played by john leguizamo famous name yep he's in a lot of films you can look up his imdb later and basically he gets sucked up into this um um, mercenaries trying to uh, attack this estate because they want um, the money in the vault. So that's the premise. And he gets caught up and he doesn't know if he wants to help, but uh, he starts to feel a change of heart when he comes across the young uh, girl, the grandchild by Trudy. And, and she kind of lifts his spirit and he decides, hey, let's go ahead and try to save Christmas for this family. Um, You're talking about Day, day, Santa or John Lokozama? John, uh, 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 Santa. Santa, okay. Santa is like, he decides, okay, I'm going to go and find a way and stop these bad guys and save Christmas for Trudy and her family. It sounds like a peachy cream kind of little holiday film, but take holiday, put the body uh, in the oven, add a little bit of blood, um, and watch it go splat all over the wall. So this movie 
is as emphasis as the title itself. It is a very violent night. Let me put an emphasis on it. A very, very violent night because <laughs> when what happens is you have the general setup of the characters and you have the general idea where it's playing with the holiday themes and the genre with the family and being Christmas and Santa Claus. But what it is is that it takes those cliches and those cheesy lines and it plays up against it and turns it into more a satirical aspect of the genre while mixing in it as very, very gratuitous violence. And what makes this film so charming is that the fact that they blend in that kind of Christmas spirit and magic and gravitas you might find in those uh, cheeky holiday films, but places it against a very uh, more like action-oriented film that is very much not a child experience. And what makes this film funny is that they play against puns that would come across mind-numbing and cringing, but it's played against the satire in a way that it makes you laugh so hard. And against the violence, because the kills and the action is very creative in a way where it mixes in stuff that you're familiar with Christmas. So What well, wasn't it they were saying? It was uh, stuff like uh, John Wick meets Die Hard. Meets it's, it's, it's Die Hard meets uh, a Christmas film while also mixing in a little bit of Home Alone. Um, so yeah, the kills are amazingly funny and violent, no <laughs> pun intended. And like I said, it emphasizes the idea of Christmas because it mixes in all the tropes of Christmas. Think of a candy cane turned into a knife mixed in with um, pool balls that go ahead and break against your head. Um, and then turning the idea of coal into grenades. So yeah. That's what oh. you get for messing with a magical creature. So pretty much this film is just a mixture of cheesy moments, over-the-top action, and it leads into a third act where, you know, Scrooge and Santa Claus have to face off at some point, and, you know, it ends up in an interesting wrap-up. I'm not going to say what it is, but I can oh, tell no, you... I, I, I still totally I can watch tell this. you that, you know, going up the chimney has a whole new meaning. <laughs> so... Oh man! All right, but I I think this is interesting. Honestly, ask the, me the any questions concept, you have. The concept for this really struck me as interesting because there was uh, Santa Slay, there's Krumpus, there's a lot of these other, there's a lot of these Christmas ones that are more violent. Yeah. Um, in that whole mythos, as opposed to, you know, like the Miracle on Thirty Fourth yeah. Street and whatever, or. You know, or even like, I mean, one that's probably also on this side of the line would probably also be Bad Santa with uh, yeah, I would, Billy Bob Thornton. I would put it more in that vein, just more violent. And what it does, it does like all the ones you mentioned. Yeah, it plays with genre with the Santa, uh, the Christmas tropes. But this does it bet in a better way, like Bad Santa, where it's unique while not, you know, trying too much original because it pulls from a lot of uh, different properties, Home Alone, Die Hard, um, any kind of Christmas holiday with family, mix it in. Um, but it does a good job of mixing it, not taking itself too seriously and playing against those tropes that just make the, the, the action and the violence so just amazing and funny. Literally just funny. Like, yeah, I meant the one-liners are chuckles, but the 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 kills will have you laughing. So <laughs> and go ooh, and then laughing at the same time. But all yeah. right, so we got a new holiday classic. This is a holiday classic. All righty. Um, so what would you call this one? Three Overall, it's intense. Has cheesy one-liners. It's not for kids unless they're mature enough. Overall, I think it's a good time at the theaters. Turn your brain off. Enjoy the action. Three point five out of five. 
Nice. Nice. All right. I'll definitely make some time to go watch this. Yeah. I know right. you don't like cheesy, but this is the kind of cheesy you will like because it, 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 it. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Well, I mean, you kind of know what you're getting into. And yeah. to me, the fact that the the way the, the trailer and, and even reading your review, which yeah. go to ryereviews.com. Check, check out. out the review. Um, but to you, me, the, the probably the thing I like most about this is we're coming. We're, we're being introduced to a version of, of St. Nick that is tired Yes, he's very cynical and he's tired. And he's tired, and he and, and you know what? And I think this is interesting thing. Yes, you get into the magic and all of that, talking about uh, Santa Claus and, and and the spirit of Christmas and all that. But I think this makes it really this this interesting way of of grounding it. And I think it's a, a part of the trend we've seen in the last few years with different TV and film properties. Because as I think about him being kind of disillusioned with his job, with being Santa Claus and the Christmas spirit and that whole thing, I'm not going to lie, right? One of the first things I'm thinking of as a comparison is Lucifer. Are you talking about the TV show? Yeah. Yeah. It's... The whole premise of Lucifer was the devil was bored and left hell. Yep. And, and he's just kind of cynical and he's going through the motions, but he kind of turns it on when he needs to. And the violence just don't come out of nowhere. You get a kind of uh, hazy backstory. It's kind of more like a, 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 a you know, plot armor, but it's done in a way where it's mysterious enough to just give you enough understanding of why he does what he does. <laughs> well, I mean, remember back the remember the animated film, The Guardians? Yes. Uh, with uh, Chris Pine and um, Alec Baldwin. Yep. That version of Santa was definitely not your bowl full of jelly. Ha ha ha. <laughs> that dude could scrap. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, there, I'm sure there's some definitely when you get back to some older tales, more more of the like the source materials, because a lot like the grim fairy tales, they're not the happy, fuzzy stories that Disney tells. Nope. They're they are dark not dark and violent. And this, that's what this, this comes across as yeah. dark and violent. It and is, then, it is, it's a mixture of that, but it's, it's just hilarious at the same time. So. And it, I, I, back to a book I was reading with, from Jim Butcher, one of the Dresden Falls, one of the recent ones I was, I was, list, I was reading and listening to actually has Santa Claus in it, Yeah. but he's part of the winter court, which are supposedly the bad guys compared to the summer court when you get into the fey and all of that and he walks around with a bloody broadsword like it's cool <laughs> santa go walks around with something but i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> oh yeah this, this will be fun to watch if you go check it out go check it out i'll give you my opinions later on that but oh, let's yeah. get back to the fun fun in the sun my friend all righty well we're making decent time so let's talk about some other stuff we got on the agenda for today yes sir it's more of a newsworthy kind of day all right well don't really have a lot for video games right now although we were talking about how cyberpunk 2077 is getting a game of the year release after uh they drop their expansion next year yeah and still waiting on the the witcher one and some of the other stuff also there was the news about microsoft is joining is following suit and raising the price on their first party titles to 69.99 uh in the near future yeah i, I that's expected because that's what happens eventually the price goes up on the games but you know 
I'm probably doing that to counter, you know, all the subscription well, services. Be, well, so. actually, what they were saying is like the cost of produ of making games has gotten higher. Yep. Uh, supply chain issues and a whole bunch of other things. They like Sony announced a price increase on the PlayStation Five. Uh, that's coming. Um, so far, Phil Spencer hasn't said anything about increasing the price of the Xbox. Uh, but then also looking into if they increase the subscription cost, I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm I personally I would be happy if Microsoft actually did an annual plan instead of their month to month. Um, because I'd much rather paying for a year in advance, or if they do a family plan, they were testing and more. Work. I haven't heard anything new on that, but. Sony getting into it with their uh, subscription and the value of their subscription. I mean, even though they're not doing f day one launches like Microsoft is. Yeah. Um, it's not exactly a not exactly a bad catalog of choices to pick through. I mean, there are games on there that I never would have considered getting. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like uh, like Game Pass because I'm able to try games and not waste money on something and not knowing if I'm gonna like or not like it. So. Yeah. But that's how it rolls. That's it how we is. roll. It is what it is. Alrighty, let's. Uh, you got something here for Spotify? Now I know you're a big Spotify person. Yes, I listen to Spotify every day. So apparently, Spotify's Spotify's released their annual uh, most listened to list. Yep. So at the end of every year, Spotify does this uh, thing called the MVL. It's called the wrap up. Uh, so, you know, depending on year, insert year date, wrap up. And what they do is that with the wrap up campaign, they go and they put out, you know, the top listenings at the same time. They also put out your top listenings throughout the year. Um, so that's kind of cool because they, they curate certain uh, certain lists on your Spotify list. So you have like a 2022 rock mix, R&B mix or whatever you've been listening to and they mix it in. And then they also have a top uh, 2022 uh, playlist that you can listen to all the songs that um, that you listen throughout the year. And what's cool is, is that they create like these kind of like things where it shares out your top artists, top songs and whatnot. Um, so I, I gave a, a picture of that so you can take a look at it. But in the article from Variety, what they did is like they do the overall through the world and they give you. Um, who's been the top leading songs, albums, and podcasts through the year? So leading the 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 pack uh, For globally. The third year in a row. Yeah, is Bad Bunny. If you recognize that name, he's a, a Latino singer, but he also uh, showed up in um 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 dang it, a Bullet Train as well. Oh, he okay. Yeah, so he was in there for a little bit. So he's a Puerto Rican rapper, quote, and singer tracks generated more than 18.5 billion streams this year, and his and, album was the number one streamed worldwide. And if round out the top 5, we have Taylor Swift in the number 2 spot, Drake in the number 3, The Weeknd, yep, and BTS. Yep. Who's BTS? BTS is a, a Korean boy band. Ah. Um, and what it is, it makes sense because K-pop is very, very popular international. Gotta thank Sai so, for that. Yeah. So, and then they also gave a, a stream the songs uh, globally, albums, and uh, most viral artists globally. This is funny because like, we have the t most streamed artists globally yeah. and then the most viral artist. Yeah. And Taylor Swift runs that one. Well, it would make sense, especially when her concert tickets crashed a website. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so, but and yeah, again, it's cool. And, and then when then we have like the U.S. top list, and 
Uh, Taylor Swift is number two there as well. Yeah, yeah. Taylor Swift's pretty popular, my friend. Well, considering how she did at the Music Awards, where yeah. she pretty much swept it, you know, not being number one on these lists is, I doubt, hurting yeah. her very much. So, yeah, it, it gives you a good idea, but it's cool because um, one of the things that they did uh, this year um, is that they always try to introduce something new. Mm-hmm. And this year for your uh, wrap up, when you go through your things, they did something called music personality. So based on your listening habits, they assigned a different kind of person you are. And for me, based on my music uh, listening uh, stuff I did, they considered me an adventurer because I jumped through many different genres and stuff. But Yeah, I'm looking at this image you got here. Your top artist, Kendrick Lamar. Yep. Top song, The Middle. Yep. You're uh, 44,000 minutes listened. Yes, I listen to Spotify a lot. Yeah. And your top genre is pop punk. Yeah, pop punk is near and dear to my heart. So I have curated lists explicitly for that. So, yep. It's kind of interesting. It's like when you look at my top five, uh, two through five is a mixture of, you know, pop punk uh, emo bands. And then number one is Kendrick Lamar completely opposite from the other list <laughs> from the the four you know so. don't hit don't hit the player hit the game yep but yeah well All you right. can attest that he did drop his new album this year and i did listen to it almost like a month straight so. i'm sorry i don't haven't listened to a lot of modern music yeah i just don't anymore yeah i'll i'll, I'll do soundtracks i'll do uh ambient music that <laughs> kind of thing i just i honestly i ever since the early 2000s or since i left since i got out of the mer- uh, got out of the military i really haven't because my listening and then discovering podcasts yeah and all of that it's like i will listen to podcasts more before i listen to music now i do have a few songs that i like to listen to which ironically are all late 80 late 90s early 2000s is the the, the era of music i listen to yep Every so often, something modern, but I don't listen to the radio that much to hear modern music. Yeah, I don't really listen to the radio. I only know what's new when I open up my Spotify and I look here. But if you look at my list, you can't see my laptop here, but I know uh, Scuba can. You can see most of the stuff is like 90s, pop punk, rock anthems, and whatnot. So I got a lot of r- random stuff. Uh, I haven't so. listened to Silverchair in a while. Anthem for the year 2000. Yep. So, but it's kind of cool too, because even the artists uh, on their page, you can they'll share out and see how many people have listened to them. So it's kind of cool uh, what it does. But forty four thousand minutes. I don't even know how many hours and days that is. I never did the conversion, but it's a lot. Just trust oh, me. Yeah, it's a lot. So speaking of wrap ups. Yeah, go ahead and move on to the next one. All right. So calculator. I'm going to do some math. Yeah. So um, at the end of the year, there's always a, a word of the year that Oxford Dictionary ch- uh, picks out. So. Um, what it's a word that is uh, being used a lot and whatnot. So the word of the year for 2022, as a reported through CNN, is not Stan, not dancing, not even sugar babies. The word of the year is goblin mode, as per the Oxford Dictionary. Oh, um, here you go, Rye. I just did the math. What's the math? Math is you had 44,746 minutes listened. Yeah. That translates to roughly 31 days straight. So that's a, a month's worth of listening of music. 24 hours a day for 30 day, 31 days. Yeah. And some change. Yeah. So I would say 31, a little over 31 days 
That's all you did. Yeah. 24 seven. Yeah. 30 day, 31 days. Yeah. Spread that over a year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good, uh, so that means I, I, I can spend, I spend one twelfth of my year. Yeah. Listening which, to music. When you, when you take it back to, to hours. Yeah. It's a uh, 745.76 hours. It's a lot of hours. Yeah. It is. You did a lot of driving. Yeah. Well, I do do a lot of driving, so, you know, got the music playing in there. All right, so what's this word of the day for the Oxford Dictionary? All right, so just to do just a rewind. So uh, every year, the Oxford Dictionary puts out uh, a word of the year. So the word of the year is goblin mode for 2022. So um, as per the article on CNN, it's a quote, according to Oxford University Press, uh, the slang term refers to a type of behavior which unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, sloven, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. So, yep, that is the word of the year as it's been, they said it's been used a lot on social media and being referenced to a lot of different things. Apparently it was first used in 2009 and went viral on social media earlier this year. Yep. Um, the shot of to prominence after a fake headline claimed that that the rapper formerly known as Kanye West and Julia Fox broke up after she after she went goblin mode. Yep. The term then rose to popularity over the months following the COVID lockdown restrictions eased in many countries where people and people ventured out of their homes more regularly. Seemingly it captured the prevailing mood of individuals who rejected the rejected the idea of returning to normal life. Normal and rebelled life. against the increasingly unattainable aesthetic standards and unsustainable lifestyles exhibited on social media. So basically this is I don't want to go out and socialize. I want to be an introvert and I'm just gonna hang out at home. Yes, yeah, so you're going in goblin mode. Which makes sense because goblins hang out in caves if you ever play fantasy games. But that's cool. In that case, you need to go watch the anime. Is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? Yep. I like that anime, except for I am mad because the latest season is on a streaming service that I'm not going to pay for. So I'm going to have to find another Which way one to. Which are they on? Five? No, six, they're, they're, on, um, they're on season five. Okay, because um, I, 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 I've seen one. They go one through I, four. Two is on Peacock, three is on Hulu, and I didn't know what was after that. I know some of them are on Crunchyroll, but they're on the because of the studio that does it. They are tied to another streaming service called H Dive or HD H Dive, and it, you know I just don't want to. I might just you know do a trial just so I can binge watch it. Might have time for that, but hey, I do like that anime. Wow. According to the Guardian, Goblin Mode is like when you wake up at 2 a.m., shuffle into the kitchen wearing nothing but a big, long T-shirt and make a weird snack like melted cheese on saltines. Yep. So <laughs> I've never done that before, but somebody has if it's been described that astutely. Yes, sir. I have another word for that. It's called insomnia. Yeah. Alrighty, moving on. Yeah, goblin mode sounds more fun. Speaking of goblins, let's talk about rabbits. Rabbits, yes, sir. Uh, so Oswald the Lucky Rabbit gets his first Disney animated short in decades. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, long story short, uh, before 
uh, Mickey Mouse, uh, the people behind Disney, the originators, created a character that goes by the name of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. So he was created in 1927. You can totally see where they got Mickey from yeah. by looking at this guy. Now, I'm going to ask you, Rye. Yes, sir. Before reading this story and learning how old Oswald is. Yeah. When did you first become aware of Oswald's existence? I am vaguely familiar with him because I know that I would see him in different things, but not tied to Disney. That's because they sold him off to another studio. That's why. Uh, Disney created Mickey Mouse because after they created him, they sold him off to Universal and they needed another character, and that's where Mickey Mouse came from. Yeah. So. I will tell you where I first was became aware of Oswald, and it falls in line with our typical content. Yep. And that is he appeared in a video game. The Mickey game draw the 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 Mickey Mouse game where you have to, where you're using the uh, paintbrush. Yep. It's Epic Mickey. Epic Mickey 2. Yeah. Because then it's a buddy, it's a partner game where you play as Mickey and you play as Oswald. Yep, as stated here in the article. Boom. Yeah. But yeah, this is the first time Disney has put out it since uh, the early 1900s after it was created in 1927 by Walt Disney and Ub Erichs. So can't believe Disney's about to celebrate its centennial. Yep. yep. And that's what this uh, little short is a lead in to their 100 years of existing. You know what? Knowing that they're about to hit their centennial, I'm glad Bob Iger's back in charge. You're not the only one because as we were talking off the air uh, last time we wrote the podcast and you asked me about what did all Bobby Chapek do, it's a long laundry list of no-nos. And I'm probably a little bit of stuff on the side as well. So, Oswald created in 1927, debuted in Trolley Troubles. Yes. So his entire filmography of nearly 30 short runs from 1927 to 1938. Ten years, a little over 10 years solid. Yep. It's a good run. Yep. So, but yeah, uh, yeah. Even though Universal had him and used him, he was eventually replaced by Woody Woodpecker. Uh, Woody Woodpecker. Ha 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 ha. You know, but you know. It's kind of cool to see him come back home. Yeah, it's good to see him. All right. 2006, Disney Universal in exchange for sportscaster Al Mannings, jumping from ESPN to NBC Sports. Yep, he was on some, on Sunday Night Football for 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 a few, quite a few years, one with John Madden and then another stint with Colin, uh, Colin Chris Collinsworth, and now he's doing um, Thursday Night Football on Prime Video now. So Cool. Alrighty. Well, that wraps up our news stuff, so I guess we're ready for some odds and ends. Oddies and endies, my friends. All right, let's do them odds and ends. This is a collection of stories that Rye finds on the internet and gets my reactions. Sometimes it's cool, sometimes it's crazy, sometimes it's he hits the nail right on the proverbial head. And it's it, 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 it's, hits it me depends. In the feels. I'm not going to lie, it hits me in the feels. Sometimes I just want a reaction, and as long as I get a reaction, even if it's like, huh, that's worth it to me. Before we get into this first story, because it, it's associated with this first story, I got to ask you, what did you think about that news from Nintendo last week? Um, which one? The one where they actually put out a statement apologizing for how poorly Pokemon Violet. I say that it is, is a very uh, amazing thing to do that, and especially on a property that 
uh, is very fond by by the video games and very uh, much trusted by those gamers because it sold over 10 million copies. So if that you have that much devotion, you should acknowledge that you fessed up. And they did send out a patch recently, hopefully to fix it. But you know, I applaud Nintendo doing that because a lot of studios won't do that. And you know, well, Nintendo is not known for actually making any kind of public statement about yeah. any of their games and hardware not functioning as intended at launch. Yeah, but I think it's just because Pokemon is such a large and endearing property. They have to because that fan base would would lean one way or the other if it didn't get noted. Speaking of uh, Pokemon Violet and, and Scarlet, speaking of how large that franchise and that pro that property is, uh, you, our first one is talking about the 1000th Pokemon yep. has been revealed at last yep so yeah i remember playing pokemon back in the day and it was a lot i thought 151 was a long list but now through the years they've already built up to 1000 and, and actually it's 1000 is not the cap the fact yep. that they're at they're at technically at 1008 yeah, 1008. So, yeah. But who is the 1000 Pokemon? Well, his name or her name, whichever, is, uh, might butcher this, Goldingo. So, and he looks like a yellow toy with the uh, funny hair. I'm, he looks like a, a cross between a sock puppet and a, macro, and a macaroni. Yeah. He is a, quote, ghost Pokemon that haunts treasure chests and can be found pulling mimic-style pranks on unsuspected trainers across the Paldea region, which is the region set for uh, Scarlet and Violet. So he's yeah. one of the newest it's, Pokemon. It's wild. It's and he's absolutely an, wild. Yeah, and he's an evolution from Gimogul. So he is a ghost Pokemon. So if you like ghost Pokemon and you're playing the game, go ahead and grab him. Yeah, I mean, I almost like figure he might be a part. She should this this character should be part of the cast of Reboot. Oh, yeah. And then one of the photos, it shows him surfing. So, yay. Alrighty, our next story. Uh, another house that's up for sale. Yes, Only another this happens to be the house. Yes, as reported in AP uh, News, uh, everybody from at least from the '80s, you have your films that you're fond of: The Breakfast Club, uh, Terminator, um, Aliens. But fond to a lot of kids out there are the Goonies. And yes. good news for fans of the Goonies, if you really, really want. The old Victorian house that was featured in the film is actually on sale in Astoria, Oregon. So if you want to yep. purchase it. Um, this house was built in 1896. Yes. How so, much is it going for, Scoob? Oh, just for the low, low price of $1.7 million. Oh, yes. So let's go ahead and garner up some change to see if we can purchase it. But, you know, they said since the movie, uh, in the article, since the movie hit the theaters, you know, fans have flocked to that place to go ahead and, you know, take pictures and stuff. And also the city itself, quote, uh, celebrates Goonie Days on June 7th when the film is released and welcomes thousand people to the event. June every. 7th. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Very much a coincidence. Hmm. And after the film's thirtieth, uh, after the film's thirtieth anniversary, drew fifteen hundred daily visitors in twenty fifteen. <laughs> they yeah. posted a no trespassing sign. <laughs> that is wild. Yep, so yeah. two thousand fifteen was their third was the thirtieth anniversary of the Goonies film. Are you bloody kidding me? Wow. Yeah. Just wow. 
Alrighty. Um, next up. Another uh, article from AP. Really? Yes. Really? Yeah. So going on right now over in Qatar is the FIFA World Cup. They usually do it in the summer, but because it's super hot during the summer and out in the Middle um, Middle That's East, um, they you know they're doing it during the winter time where the temperature is slightly cooler. So everybody thinks you know you're going there for the World Cup. You're soccer fans. You're rooting for your team. You know a lot of other celebrations going on, but. Another thing that they have is a sideline attraction going on out there and a very unique kind of sideline attraction that I might I add. I would say so. It's and described as think the Westminster dog show crossed with a Miss America pageant. Yes. So this is a uh, a pageant, but a pageant of camels. Yes, sir. So if you can, those of y'all in the audio version, if you can just see, I am just yeah. shaking my head. Yeah. So uh, quoting uh, AP News is uh, the event, which was designed to bring cultural awareness to World Cup visitors, was sponsored by the uh, Ministry of Sports and Youth in conjunction with the Supreme Committee for Delivery and Legacy, the local World Cup organizing committee. So basically what it does is that they have these camels that go out there and do celebratory acts, but they're very, very focused on this stuff. So um, quoting one of the uh, uh, Al Quarry from the article says, this is our culture. This is from long time ago from our fathers to grandfathers. It's a competition, a beauty competition, because they like these camels and we give them names. It's like family. You know what? I'm actually kind of glad we pull, you pulled this one because it's nice to get a little bit of culture. Yep. And I feel that we are in a point now in terms of the, the Internet and globalization that we can start to find these little obscure things that go on in the world that just are one of those things it's like man this take away after you get through the initial reaction you get and you get into it a bit more it's like these are actually very interesting and cool and really necessary cultural aspects of different communities in the world. And I, I like how we can celebrate that in the way of bringing, of bringing attention to it yep. in some way, shape or form. Yeah. So because camels is a very big thing, especially for Middle Eastern cultures and, and they don't, they don't uh, play around here. Well, the next thing is this also this, there's nothing about this that's derogatory. Yeah. That I think is the, the, the best part is I don't, it's like we could, we could definitely talk about other cultures, but we can, it, for so long, we talk about things in such a negative and derogatory way. This one is a very informational, yep. informative, and I mean, they're they're using the World Cup to bring uh, you know attention yeah. to this culture and to their uh, uh, celebrate celebratory act with these camels. That's a great that's a great opportunity. I mean, yep. you have thousands of people flying in and visiting for the World Cup, and the, it it only happens for a few hours a day, and you're yep. staying there for multiple days, so you have to spend the time doing something. So, kudos to the to the organizers who saw this opportunity. And decided to take advantage of it as it coincides with a normal cultural tradition. Yeah. All righty. Cool. Awesome sauce. All right. Last one. Last but not least, going from camels into futuristic travel in a way. The hell? So this is an article from Auto Evolution. So think of, you know, you're chilling in the office, you're chilling in the chair, you're kind of lazy. You don't want to get up to go to the water cooler to get up. Well, Volkswagen is making your dream come true where you don't have to get out of your dang chair 
Not only do you have to get out of your don't have to get out of the chair, he's making a smart drivable five-wheeler with a range of not one, not two, but 12 miles per hour. So, yes. You know, I almost could have bought this as a gag until the fact that you said it's VW. And as yeah. I'm looking at the photo of this chair, I kid you not, it has a bloody seatbelt. Yeah, it has a seatbelt. So, according from the article, how fast does this go? I mean, am I gonna am I gonna get a speeding ticket drive, driving around in my office chair down the back and forth across the, in the yeah. office? So it has a rechargeable battery that offers a range of 12 kilometers, which translates to 7.4 miles per charge, and you can reach a top speed of 20 kilometers per hour, which is 12.4 miles per hour in the office chair. Not only is it packed with speed, but quote, um, it is tech pack. It offers office assistance such as reversing cameras and 360 degree sensors so that you can keep a constant eye on everything that's going on around you so this is just too distracting oh yeah and then there's storage space in the back has a capacity um so you can put in items like your laptop and your reports or whatever you want but sadly um it's not for sale good it's just an expedition mode it will be available for test drive at various locations most probably in Norway, as they say. You know, energy well, efficient. Mean, you know, at, at least the Honda factory has a cool robot you can interact with. Yeah. But just think about that. You have an office chair and you, hey, you don't need to get up. You can just drive around like you're at the Indy 500. So, you know, that's ironic, too, because uh, yesterday I was actually it was doing a, well, I call it the office chair chop shop. Office chair chop shop. What are you chopping down over there? Well, we have we have a few office chairs. We have a few geeks in the house. A lot of a little us bit. spend our time on the computers. And uh, so we have a few office chairs in the house. And a couple of the office chairs, the main support cylinder had gone bad. So I had to get, I bought replacement cylinders. Yeah. And it's like, so I've got these two chairs and one of them, one of them, the back was damaged, mm -hmm. and the arms were installed incorrectly. Of course. And it was never fixed. Of course. And then I have another chair where the back is fine, but the seat is done after six years. Okay. Um, and then another chair, which, you know, is too isn't too bad. It's kind of it's kind of comfy, but it's kind of an extra. Yeah. So I tore all the chairs apart, replaced the cylinders. Mixed and matched the good pieces off of the two chairs that are the same model. Just I had two of them. It's just one had a busted back, and the arm armrests were put on backwards, and the and the other one had the bad seat. Switched all around and made two chairs, and threw away the parts from the third that was just leftover parts. But it so it's like it's an office chair. And I was I was talking with uh with my mother because um. She spends a lot of time in in office chairs and gaming, and it's like we have a gaming chair that my wife uses, and unfortunately, it's not quite big enough to support for me or my mom. Yeah, but it works out great for my wife. But it's like talking about how it's like we could get really good quality gaming chairs, but you know we're gonna spend like two th two three thousand dollars, and all that is is just gonna be leather, maybe a little embroidery, some good ergonomics. I gotta tell you though, this 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 motorized chair with seatbelt that goes 12 miles an hour in an office room is probably got to be somewhere north of of twenty of ten thousand dollars, just not counting all the tech that's in it. 
Oh yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see maybe, maybe, hey, if somebody's developed it, even if it's just for exhibit, you know. A seat heater it's gonna and a happen. trailer hitch. Dude, this is just obscene at this point. <laughs> really? Yes. It's like, all right, guys, I got to haul the trailer here. Let me grab my chair and we'll hook it up. What kind of ball does that take? Inches, seven, eight to two inch. Let me find out. Hey, I'm not going to fault about uh, heated seats because heated seats make wonders. So heated seats on an office chair hey. and a seatbelt and, and storage and, and then backup cameras. Yeah. Really doesn't make the no I wonder if it makes the noise too. Beep, 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 I beep. wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> I would not doubt it. All right. Well, yeah, that's satire and fun. And, but that is the end of our show this week. Skadoosh. Oh yeah. You like that? It's time to set sail and move on Woo! for another weekend and another Woo! week. Uh, thank you, Rye, for hanging out with me and uh, feeding me these great stories. Always try. Always try. Um, thank you for watching and listening and all those things. Uh, if you're new here, please hit the subscribe on YouTube or hit the subscribe on uh, whichever podcast medium you're listening to this. And uh, feel free to share it out with your friends and family. Hope they enjoy the casual, laid-back conversation flow that we have. Thank you again to Sirenscape for all the background music soundboards. And uh, yeah. Happy holidays, and we will see you all next week. Peace. Peace. Oh, do, do, I love do. it when a show goes well. Oh, yes. It's smooth sailing. And now I got a, a cat sleeping on my arm. Yes, that's how you end the show. Yep. Cat's